Good morning. I hope you're having a fine Sunday morning. Welcome back to another edition of Miami Valley Voices on this Cox radio station. I am your host from the Dayton Daily News, Ron Rollins. And I'm in the studio with a, an, a, another fellow Dayton Rotarian. Uh, <laughs> a, a lot of a lot of Rotarians show up on the show because there's so many interesting people here. But in the group, but Mary Campbell Zopf, uh, who's the executive director of the uh, Muse Machine. How you doing? Oh, I'm great. I'm happy to be here I'm, with you. I've had you on the list uh, to, to get uh, down onto the show for uh, quite a while, and I'm glad you could finally make it. So. Um, a lot of people know what the Muse Machine is, but just in case someone's listening who is not familiar with this fine arts group, uh, tell, them, tell them all about it. Uh, the Muse Machine is probably known by most people by its amazing uh, winter musical where you see mm-hmm. 350 kids up on stage and There's an a orchestra, lot of kids, yeah. Broadway sets, etc., packed mm-hmm. houses this year, Mary Poppins, which sold out for oh, the whole weekend. That's cool. But Muse Machine started out primarily as a way to work with teachers across the Miami Valley Mm -hmm. and get them excited about the arts, and especially teachers like English teachers and social study teachers, uh, and get their kids out to all the amazing arts organizations across Dayton. I remember when my kids were in elementary school, it was an after-school meeting, and they would talk about the arts, and then they would take field trips, ticketed field trips, down to some shows, right? Yeah, and when we started, we had about 22 schools, and today we have over 66 schools. Wow. We serve about 72,000 kids in 11 counties hmm. in southwest and central Ohio, and I think next year we'll be up in Toledo. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, and, a whole separate branch up there? Like the uh, whole... No, no, we no? just, we've been called up there to do some work through our artist residency program. So really? That's when cool. people ask me about the Muse Machine today, I say we are a comprehensive arts education organization mm-hmm. and we serve teachers across this ba- the vast range that I just described. Sure. And we're in 40 school districts, every type of school you can imagine, um, from a very small rural school uh, to our urban schools uh, to mm-hmm. Springboro. Mm-hmm. So it's a wide range. We're also up in Franklin County now. Mm-hmm. And um, we also provide year-long professional development for teachers. Okay. And um, Of what kind? Like in arts instruction or? We do art, you know, we do art making, we do art history, we bring mm-hmm. in humanities scholars, we bring in our favorite artists from our arts organizations. Um, we're all about getting teachers moving and thinking about the arts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was talking to you earlier this summer. We're bringing in Ping Chong and Company, which is that's right. Tell, amazing. Tell, tell, yeah, tell folks about him. Uh, people may remember him from. Uh, you'd mentioned that he was uh, one of the um, winners of the one of the arts awards from President Obama last yeah, year. Yeah, he got right. a National Medal of Arts from That's President right. Obama in 2014. Okay. And Susie Bazzani actually brought Ping Chong in uh, early on in his career. Remind people who she is. Susie Bazzani uh, is... Uh, the amazing Susie Bazzani. The amazing, the remarkable, and the inspiring Susie Bazzani is Muse Machine's founder. Right. And she still works with Muse Machine almost on a daily basis. Hmm. And um, we take our teachers to New York in June. Mm-hmm. Um, and Susie org- organizes all of that. And she is still inspiring. Last year when she met with our teachers, and we have so many new teachers now that the baby boomers Mm. are retiring, and every one of them walked away from talking with Susie and said, I felt that she really cared about me. She listened to me so carefully. She cared about my school. Mm -hmm. And that's just the person she is. And uh, if you've worked with Susie, and many across Dayton have, then they have fun Susie stories. (laughs) Uh, You just always 
are inspired. That's, That's cool. just who now, she is. Are you the fourth director? I have to think about this. Susie came first. Right. And then uh, I think there was an interim person that I never met. Then, right. of course, Lorna Dawes. Lorna the wonderful Dawes, Lorna Dawes. still in town and is a wonderful lady, right? Big, yes. huge arch supporter in Yes, town. and right. a Rotarian. My fellow Rotarian, <laughs> that's right. People who listen to this show hear Dayton Rotary references all the time, because mostly because I mean, there's it's not just members. A lot of times I'll actually listen to the Monday program and I'll ask the speaker that we've heard uh, to come on the show because they're usually just really interesting people. Yeah. Uh, last week I had the uh, the writing the writing people the people that from Therapeutic Writing Institute. Oh, wonderful! On the show last yeah. week because I, I I heard them speak at Rotary and I'm like that's a really cool program. So yeah. That's what I knew. Well, and then Susan Pringle came after Lorna Dawes, right. and then and then after Susan, Mary Carr stepped in for a while. That's who's, right. You know, people know as a community relations right, person, right. opera lover. And then Luke Dennis. Luke Dennis, who's now at WYSO. Yes, right? and he's a Rotarian, right. too. That's right. And so you're the sixth full-time person. Yeah. Right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's cool. And I had always hoped that, uh, as you know, I worked in Columbus for 25 years at the State Arts Council. Right. Tell people about that. Yeah. Okay. Well, the State Arts Council is one of your biggest funders in the state of arts organizations. Right. And anyone who works in an arts organization loves the Ohio Arts Council because sure. they get operating support, the hardest money to get. Right. And so it's a great organization. I worked under five administrations and two directors. Wow and had a wonderful life there, but I knew that when I was 60 I wanted to change, mm -hmm. and I'd always hoped that I would get to work at the Muse Machine. And That's I thought, cool. I'll volunteer, I'll do anything, I just want to work at the Muse Machine. So you retired from the OAC? Yes, and then, okay. in, 14, in 2014. Okay, right. Yes, it was crazy, I retired, uh, and the next day I walked into the Muse Machine offices, and I would not advise that. You know, take, <laughs> taking a little break sometimes is a good idea, but um, it, it sort of takes me back to where I started my career. I don't know if you know this, but I started my career in Dayton as a Dayton public school teacher. I did not know that. Yes, and I was there for three years. When, when I when I first became familiar with you, you were at the OAC. Yes. So I mostly okay. knew you as like Columbus arts person. Yeah. You know, that yeah. everybody in town was very respectful of, yeah. Oh. Everybody in town who was in the yeah. fine arts community. Well, part, partly, uh, the whole time I was a teacher, which was only three years, mm -hmm. uh, I worked at the Dayton Art Institute. Okay. And so I was a teacher there. And fortunately, it was just a, a crazy thing that happened. I got called to interview for a job there. Mm -hmm. And I decided, oh, I think, I'll, I think I'll apply. I'll just see what happens. Mm -hmm. And I got the job, and of course that of was- Of course me. you did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I worked with Bruce Evans, who you right. probably remember. I, I, and I never met, but knew of, yeah. Peggy McGill, yeah. which everyone knows right. is and Evans just, was the director before uh, Alex, Alex Nargis, yeah, right, yeah. right. Linda Lombard was oh, there right. when I was there. Eileen Carr was there when wow. I was there. Mm. And my mentor, Pam Houck, was there. All people who are still around having really serious influence in one way or the other yeah. on the Dayton uh, arts community. Yeah. yeah, and it was absolutely, I would always say that that was one of the most golden times of my career. I just wow. soaked up so much from everybody there. And at that time, my job was gigantic. Mm -hmm. I did films, I did artist co-ops, I wow. did classes for adults and youth. What fun. And Whatever they they would say, can you do an artist residency? You say, oh yeah, we can sure, do an yeah. artist residency. But it was just kind of those. The '80s were fun, uh -huh. I, I, as you recall. You know, there was oh, there was a lot of bad rock music, but except for that, <laughs> <laughs> people were still feeling kind of expansive. They were very community based, uh -huh. 
And what I remember when I left Dayton, I remember thinking when I went to the OAC, I am going to miss Dayton because mm-hmm. in Dayton, if you want to collaborate with someone, you call them up and they you do get it, it done. Right. It's not, there's no barriers. Right. People want to come on board. That's and the most you, amazing thing about the, Yeah, and the, I've the, never the seen it yeah. quite anything quite like that, though. Uh, Columbus isn't quite as collaborative, but Cleveland's pretty collaborative. I yeah. mean, there's a lot. The art scene up there is really. I think I've heard that, too, about Cleveland. I think it's not the size of the community. It's the the grit and scrappiness. Yes. And if and Cleveland yes. Cleveland is a lot like Dayton in a lot of ways. I mean, it's obviously considerably larger, but but it's 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 had a lot of the same problems Dayton's had and and yeah. it's and it's uh it's got the same kind of grit and I can I can see that. Yeah. yeah that and, and it has a really strong artist community oh, and I very, think yeah. that and Columbus does too, but with the university and other things, right. the feel is just different. I love right. Columbus. I was born in Columbus. Right. I love it, but you know, I have Truly loved working in Dayton mm. and was happy. But you're right. The, the 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 university and the government overshadows some of it. A lot yeah. of the arts. Yeah, yeah, that's it's true. a little bit different. Yeah, you know. That's interesting. So, um, how long were you at the OEC? Twenty five years. Okay, so a full career there, pretty much. A full yeah. career. Yeah, I. Yeah, like I said, I was there with five administrations. That mm-hmm. was fascinating. I did like I working in government yeah. and watching the changes in government and the changes in arts funding and also, you know, always having to make sure that you were ready to make the case for the arts in, mm-hmm. your, in civic life sure. and why it was important in schools. Well, and we'll get back to the Muse Machine, but since we're on the OAC, people may not be that familiar with, everyone might not be that familiar with the extent to which the state really does fund oh, the arts. I mean, it's yeah. talk, talk about the work the OAC does a little bit, and we'll, yeah. get, we'll get back to the muse in a minute. I mean, the OAC um, is a public funder, and it gets its funds from state government, mm-hmm. but it also gets a million-some dollars a year mm-hmm. from the National Endowment for the Arts, mm-hmm. and occasionally we would do special things and get grants at the federal level, too, for a number of things. And when you think about it, you know, from the largest arts organization, the Cleveland Orchestra, which mm-hmm. is a world-class orchestra that probably has a budget now of $50 million a year, mm-hmm. sure. down to the tiniest grassroots organization like um, the Nelson Opera House, mm-hmm. you know, or, or some very small writing program, the OAC helps fund. Or even individual artists. An right. individual artist, thank right. you. Sure. That's a wonderful thing because, right. you know, that took a hit in the 90s. But sure. OAC has always supported the individual artist, mm-hmm. and it's extraordinary. And you look around Dayton and you look at, I'll just give an example, Steve Bognar and Julia mm-hmm. Reichert. And, and the, all Filmmakers the films they've had, Springs, right, yeah. many, many of that first bit of funding you get to get yourself started will come from your state arts council. Right. And are, are there a lot of councils like it around the country? My sense is that, that the OAC is not unique, but that it kind of stands apart in some ways, well, based me, on my experience. Let me just brag. Most states sure. uh, have a state arts council. Right. But it, I know this might be shocking, but the Ohio Arts Council is the second highest funded arts council in the country. That's incredible. And our awards, uh, I say our because I still kind of reflect on the sure, OIC, right. um, are competitive, but they're also based on population. Right. So we would always, we always did great on competitive, mm-hmm. but California always beat us just a little because they had all the people. Sure, yeah. So the arts council is considered across the country um, to be one of the best arts councils in the country. Right, and right. honestly, you know, to, um, I don't know if some people in Dayton probably remember Wayne Lawson, mm-hmm. the legendary, like, 35 year director of the Arts Council. And right. 
he was followed by Julie Hennahan, and right. they were remarkable. And now we have Donna Collins, who's there. Who, who I've only met once, um, and it's a uh, uh, people would probably also be familiar with the Governor's Awards oh, yes. for the Arts, which happen every May. Um, yeah. yeah, almost. And, what is it and, coming and, up here in another uh, week? Another week or so, and then actually, uh, Dayton, the Dayton Springfield area tends to do very well. Yes, in those. Um, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Actually, there's two Dayton area people that are winning awards, maybe three this time. Yeah. Well, uh, we always did laugh. I, of course, I I'm, I can't ever be biased or partial or anything when nah. I was at the State Arts Council, nah. but of course not. there was always a smile on my face because people would say, well, why does Dayton get so many <laughs> nominees? Well, because we're so darn good. <laughs> yeah. That's why. And so, so I now would quietly you, smile. Well, now you're back in the as a part of that arts of, the, yeah. of our local arts community again. How's it? How's it feel? Oh my gosh, it, it just feels like coming home to family. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, you know my career started here. I was able to continue my you know relationships with people mm-hmm. partly because of professional reasons through the arts council but also because we stayed friends all those years sure. and it's lucky to have a job where you can keep your arts network yeah. you know for your oh, whole life yeah. <laughs> which is great that is cool um so now uh, you mentioned i should mention in case you're just joining us we're with mary campbell zopf who's the executive director of the muse machine um it surprises me i mean i knew that the the reputation that the muse machine has Regionally, but it surprises me that you, that Franklin County and Toledo mm-hmm. have reached out to the organization for for projects and programs. Um, that I didn't realize it had that kind of statewide recognition well, and that sort of sheen. It's, it's really growing. In the last couple of years, we've uh, doubled our student memberships in our secondary and middle schools, and we have this amazing team of artists mm-hmm. that work in the preschool elementary program. Michael Lippert, who's mm-hmm. most notable, kind of the face of that program, the but former also, winner of the Governor's Arts Award. Yes, right. yeah, we. Have a lot of former winners of uh, the Art uh, Governor's Arts Awards, and uh, Michael Bashaw, mm-hmm. who everyone knows, and Beth Wright, right. and we have artists from DCDC mm-hmm. also participating, right. and that's that is the program that's starting to take us outside of the greater Miami region, mm-hmm. um, which, which is fun. And I don't know if people know this, but for 20 years there's been a muse machine in Spartanburg, uh huh, and, uh, and and modeled. Exactly after the Arts Council, I mean the uh, Muse Machine here. Really? And last summer we worked with a lovely woman uh, from Colorado Springs really? uh, who's starting a Muse Machine there. That's so. cool. That's, and by that name, they're using the same name? <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, it's kind of like they kind yeah. of use it. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So um, uh, that that's really interesting. I didn't realize that you'd kind of spread your tentacles out uh, or your wings that that far yeah. out. That's really neat. So um, talk about the, uh, the the musical every year. There's the, oh, that's, the musical. That's, that's, that's what people mostly <laughs> yeah. read about. I think. Yeah. Well, when you think about it, uh, well, we just have the best creative team uh, that we could possibly have, led by Doug Merck, who's our director of mm-hmm. student programs. And of course, Joe Deere, who we've mentioned today, who is uh, an extraordinary theater professor at Wright State, emeritus, and mm. a whole bunch of other <laughs> wonderful Who's, titles who, after him. Who his indeed name. is winning a Governor's Arts Award yes. later this month, right? Yes. And so Joe Deere uh, graciously is part of our musical every year in our summer concert. Mm. And what's really fun is that his son, Leo, is oh. has been in the musicals and well, that's quite annoying. and uh it's all you know it's always fun joe likes to say like you know i thought muse was a cult or something <laughs> everyone talks about it it's so fun every all the kids are jazzed and he said and then my son joe you mm. know uh, i mean leo gets mm. involved and 
I get it, right, you know, right, I'm right. part of it. Um, and so we have different people who are music directors over the year. This last year we had Claude Thomas, mm-hmm. who, um, a former teacher and jazz teacher and jazz orchestra leader at Stivers. Right. And then a lot of people know Lula Elsey, who comes in from New Orleans every oh, year, and I she's been with her. us for like 15 years, okay. and she's our choreographer. Okay. And there's a whole wide range of people that come in and help with all the vocal pursuits. Right. Uh, Carol Chatfield so, and others. So pretty much, I mean, it's like an like a, a it's not student run, but I mean, it's like acted, performed. Yeah. Are there students working in the back as well? Students working in the back, students in the orchestra. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's probably a 90 or more member parent association mm. um, that was started by Debbie Goldenberg back mm-hmm. in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And that is a well-run machine. Yeah. Uh, and it, it really, you know, kids come in in September, they audition, and then it's three months right. of rehearsals and practice. And is it all from, it's all from schools in the Miami Valley, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how many kids, you, you mentioned the 300 just off the top of your head Last a minute ago. Last year, but, but is it really that many? I think it was over uh, when you counted people behind the stage wow. and in the orchestra. And if you, at the musical, it was so fun because we, you know, we always try to have big numbers where there are elementary, a lot of sure. elementary kids. Right. And so this year we had them on the stage, right, coming right. down the aisle, singing all the songs oh, from Mary cool. Poppins. And, you know, we had packed houses. It was like 96% of the house for the whole weekend. Right. You know, I mean, people were just, and there's this magic yeah. that happens when you've got these kids who are all ready. But when they feel the energy of a packed house, right. the performance just goes up to a whole nother level. And sure, it and was the, so fun. And the scale is different from what they'll get doing their own school production. They'll never, and you know, right. they're working with Broadway sets. On the, at the Victoria. Some, yeah. Right, right. And and in the quality of the direction and all of that is really pre-professional, which mm-hmm. is unusual. Mm-hmm. And usually, you know, we have around 50 different schools. Mm-hmm. So this is a time for wow. kids who are crazy about the arts to be with their tribe. And kind really of, meet, you know? Yeah, right. And meet yeah. each other. And that's cool. Uh, uh, Mary Poppins this year had such a perfect quote. It was in one of our publications. And this was Brianna Russ. And she said, you know, I... I could have been successful. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm a wonderful. She's great at singing and dancing. Sure, sure. She was, but I would have never have been happy mm-hmm. if I hadn't been in Muse Machine. That's cool. Now, do you bring alumni back? Uh, yes, we do. How does that work? That is fun. Uh, in the summer, we have an all call to Dayton. Mm-hmm. It, you know, and all of these things are free. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the summer, it's free, not free for the participants. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Not free. <laughs> yeah. We right. raise a lot of money. We raise. We sell <laughs> tickets. That's right. <laughs> and that's when we invite our alumni back. Mm-hmm. And so we have anybody who comes in the summer practically gets a role in the summer concert, mm-hmm. uh, and it's 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 almost co-created. There's a theme and there's music, but you are really kind of basing your numbers and organizing it around the strengths of the cast that come to you. And it's more of like a variety show, right? Yes, I mean, it's yeah. like a musical right. review right, kind okay, of show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've been to I I've been to a couple of those, and they're they're really fun. Last year we had the, like the Burundi court drummers. Have you oh, heard them? I have uh, because I signed them. Um, I hope I said that right. The you did. Um, oh, they performed at the first or second TEDx Dayton. Yes, uh, that's maybe right. the first, and I'm on the I'm one of the organizers of that. I think yeah. it was the first one, a couple of years ago, and they closed the show, and we and we brought them we brought them out, and they just went 
drum crazy. Uh, and uh, they and I actually I, I I I get to know them pretty well. I went out to watch them um, rehearse over in West Dayton yeah. at, a, at a church parking lot, um, and um, they're fun. They are they're really they're an amazing, amazing group. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's of course stories to all the drums and the certain kind of wood has to be used to build them and stuff. They're, and the tradition neat. and the, yeah. and for drummers, uh, you know, the making of the drum is just important as to the process and to the artistry as. The performance aspect right. is a tradition where right. you know it's you're creating kind of tree, that drum. Right, yeah. right exactly. Uh, it's it's they're they're one of the um, most interesting immigrant stories we've got. I think that they mm-hmm. have transplanted that group here. It's it's pretty cool. Um, so uh, back, get back to um, you mentioned uh, Ping Chong and company uh, coming uh, July 11th through 14th, according mm-hmm. to the card you gave me before we started the thing. What will that program be? Well, remind, me, remind people of his career and and, yeah. and what he's what he's known for. Well, the, one of the things that Ping Chong was known for is uh, very sparse and kind of dramatic staging, uh, dramatic use of media and light, which uh, and also um, I'd say the other thing. And and when his first first he started, there were all these huge puppets and things that were used. But over the mm. years, he got a little more sparse. And he started uh, an endeavor that's probably been going on for almost 20 years now. Mm-hmm. And he started to use an approach to interviewing and creating oral histories that were translated into scripts and then performed and augmented with choreography and light and sound. Wow, how cool. And um, what he likes is to really help different parts of the community get to know one another. Oh, neat. And he loves to help and enhance their scripts and they write, but he loves non-actors on the stage. And we felt like our teachers Hmm. in particular are such good listeners Mm -hmm. and so much value oral histories. I mean, it's a a part that often finds itself in other aspects of the curriculum. And so it's almost a perfect uh, enterprise for them to begin to um, learn that and take it back into their schools and teach their students. It could happen in a social studies class just as easily as it could happen in an arts class Mm -hmm. or an English class or a science class even. That's cool. To begin to learn to listen very well. Um, We're also playing around with an idea of trying to bring two schools together who are very different and maybe would not ordinarily work together and bring Ping Chong back to work with their students in a really deep sort of community collaborative program. Oakwood and Trowood. That'd be neat. Yeah. Well, actually, it's been kind yeah. of funny at some of our teacher meetings. Oqua and Dekla have been talking a whole bunch. Oh, that'd be Oqua and, and Dekla. More you know, the size, of the scale is more on, on similar. Yeah, that, yeah. The size and of the Trotwood, school. we we are you know yeah. we, we have a very active muse club in Trotwood. Um and um so he will be working with teachers. And what what do you think they'll take back to their classrooms from from the program? Well, the first step, and I, I've been to part of this is. Actually, what does it mean to listen very carefully to another person's story? Mm-hmm. You know, and what responsibility you have when you listen and mm-hmm. think about trying that's to even, tell somebody else's story. That's an interesting idea that you have some responsibility when you hear someone's story. I, yeah, I don't think people really consider that. That's yeah. really interesting. It's a it's a very powerful notion if you really oh. think about it. What does it mean to listen carefully? What does it mean to try to get deeper than the superficial? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to bring two really different people together so that they listen and learn about the other person and what happens to you when you listen that carefully. And then, you know, how do you begin to script off of these oral histories to create a piece of theater? Mm -hmm. And, you know, how might 
the individual then who's been listening and writing work with a small group of people to do what we call devised theater. And um, I'm not familiar with that term. That's well, devised theater usually refers to um, you don't have a script, you might not have an outline, but you're actually creating it with the people that you're working with mm-hmm. off of conditions and other other things. And, That's cool. Um, and then the teachers actually go through the whole process with Ping Chong and their art, his artist. And then we'll do, at the last day of the teacher workshop, they'll actually perform um, excerpts from what they've been working on in small groups. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Now, does he consider himself more like a performance artist, a playwright? Yes. yes. Uh, okay. Yeah, I think the thing that's so fascinating about Ping Chong for me right now is, um, you know, he's part of a group of artists uh, in the 20th and 21st century that really are exploring our evolving American identity. Mm-hmm. So you think of someone like Studs Terkel, who's mm-hmm. done that so well, right. or Anna Devere Smith, mm-hmm. who takes on different characters, and she, she not only researches them, but she becomes them on stage. And there's, or you think of StoryCorps, and how that's right. been so fascinating. From public radio. To, yeah, yeah, from public radio. And so it, he fits into that contemporary tradition it, it is a performance art of sorts sure. but it's also about people who are just interested in who we are as americans today mm-hmm. that's really cool now, how, was it hard for uh, you to get him i mean he's he plays on a pretty large stage he does he came to dayton obviously um when muse was just getting started and his career was actually just mm-hmm. getting started mm-hmm. and Susie, in particular, has always stayed involved with him. I knew okay. about his work. I actually think Pam Halk might have introduced me okay. to his work first. But um, And then when I got on board uh, July of 2014, Susie and I started talking about could we get Ping Chong back in Dayton. That's really great. So it took us a while. Um, and we had to do a lot more uh, aggressive grant writing than we had <laughs> done before. And, so it's uh, all about money at the end of the day, yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, so as a uh, small nonprofit, I mean, uh, what's the what's the fundraising atmosphere these days? Is it- oh, you know, I, when I uh, years ago, I remember an executive director said to me, I think it was in the 80s, and I was at the, I, no, I had just started the Arts Council in 89, mm-hmm. and I was talking to him about being a director and all these things, and we were talking about fundraising, obviously. I was in the funding world at that mm-hmm. point, and he said, you know, if you're not thinking about raising money every day, you're not doing your job as an executive director. That's what I hear, yeah. And yeah. I would say that's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually like that part of it right. because I love to tell the story of Muse Machine. Sure. And I love to plan for programs that I know will, for many of our teachers in mm-hmm. particular, sure. will be transformative arts Experience. That's really cool. Yeah. A, a minute or so left. How can people find out more about the organization? Oh, Muse yeah. Machine. Go to our website. Right. It's Muse Machine, uh, www.musemachine.com. That's cool. And then, um, so uh, right quick before we close out, what do you like best about the job? Mm, best about the job, being on the ground again with kids <laughs> and teachers. Yeah, yeah, that's neat. And um, if uh, uh, people want to, I assume the website has how to donate, how to get tickets right, to the winter show. Right, all of that. Have you, do you know what next winter's show is yet? That Have is under wraps it? for a while. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I will say this, the summer concert is gonna be announced soon, okay. and that will be uh, August 4th. 
Okay. And um, that's the one that's the review. When do you announce the winter show? It will be right around the same time. Okay, cool. So people can read the Dayton Daily News and Dayton.com <laughs> and find out what the uh, what the show is. Thanks for coming in. I appreciate oh, it. Oh, thank you. It was my pleasure. Absolutely. Like I said, you've been on the list for a while. Of like, I have Mary Campbell yeah. in here to talk about the music machine, and I'm glad it finally worked out. Thanks so, for calling. <laughs> absolutely. I'm glad. To, and you have to go back and write grants when you get back to the office. <laughs> I am actually outside. working on a grant this afternoon. <laughs> I'm sure you are. Uh, well, thanks for coming in. Uh, this has been Miami Valley Voices on this Cox Radio Station. I'm uh, Ron Rollins, your host. We've been here with Mary Campbell Zopf, the executive director of the fabulous Muse Machine and uh, a, a cornerstone of uh, the fine arts community in, in, uh, in Dayton. Um, you can hear this show on a podcast at the WHIO website. And uh, if you want to pass it around to your friends, and um, we will see you here next Sunday. Uh, we uh, hope you have a great day. Happy Mother's Day, in fact. Thank you. Indeed. It's happy uh, Happy Mother's Day to all, uh, all the moms out there. Yeah, uh, hope I'm you a have mom a, and a uh, grandma. Uh, that's right. <laughs> and ha- hope you have a great day.